This research examines evolutionary adaptation and the toll that human pollution burdens upon other living species. I will focus attention to crickets, who will be our focal point for this study. I am excited to help other researchers in parallel with their own research project. I will lightly talk about that during this expedition. I must gather data from different environments to have analyzed. This will include remote wilderness with no human influence, rural, and city locations. I will use satellite and LIDAR technology to look back at ancient human influence and how that has shaped nature. The journey begins now. Journey to Earth explores health, wellness, and the best ways to increase longevity through uncharted expeditions and adventures. My name's Mark DeLuca. I'm an explorer, researcher, and humbled to be called a technology leader. Here is the Journey to Earth podcast. First, we are traveling into the field to gather important data using technology I built. This will analyze sound frequencies of crickets. We then will layer that with known human impacts. Now, throughout this podcast, you'll hear the recording of daily entries as part of this research expedition. Let's get started. Day one. Today was half success and half failure. In order to gather the data I need, using an available system is just not an option. I must develop one that can gather my data and do so in adventurous terrain. Data integrity is very important as I need quality results. I will use a circuit and microphone to input my data that will feed into a microprocessor. I first build the housing unit that will store the audio microphone. This is simple enough. My first success. Now, I must create an application that can read and process this data. To do this, I will use C++, a computer programming language. This is where I encounter my first roadblock. The code appears to function at first, but then crashes. Something is not working right. I realized long ago that in technology, starting with a new set of eyes the following day is sometimes the best approach. That is exactly what I decide upon. Day two and three. I was excited when the code changes made stop the application from crashing. As I continued to test, I found that the data was not consistent. Data integrity is always important during research. It is because of this that I made the decision to go back to the drawing board and rewrite the code. I know that in order for me to get this code exactly right, it would likely take a few days. To take full advantage of time, I decide to work on another research area in parallel. This research will study cricket sperm. Have you ever truly considered the effects of urbanization? Think of it like this. A healthy, lush forest is cut down to allow for a city to be built. When this happens, all type of external stimuli take shape to include noise and light pollution. The question becomes, how does this affect other living species? The area that we will specifically look at is how noise pollution affects reproduction. Cricket sperm will be analyzed for crickets that live in different noise frequency locations. Often with large-scale research, having numerous teams focus on specific topics will help prevent overload of the mind. This area of study is where I will be helping other researchers. The cricket sperm has special properties that allow for the identification of live versus dead sperm. As seen in some of the images that are available on our website, The link to that is in today's show notes. 
the green sperm identifies living sperm, while red indicates dead sperm. To help speed the analysis process, technology is used. If humans were attempt analysis of this data, the project would go on far too long. A machine learning model has been created that trains a computer to identify the exact search parameters and can do so in seconds. The first step in this process is to have a human identified live versus dead. This will then be shared with the computer. The algorithm will then begin a learning process utilizing backpropagation. This is important because errors are taking back to the beginning and applied for all future use. After roughly 10 cycles, the accuracy is above or around 98%. Understand that, that per cycle, millions of data points are analyzed. Day four, what effect does urbanization have on living species? Another great way to study this is by analyzing living species in the setting that they live in. With crickets, I will obtain and analyze stridulation samples. Male crickets will rub their forewings together to make chirping sounds as part of a mating process. This is how males attract females. With each location I visited, the environment and parameters were closely monitored and matched. This was completed to reduce as much noise as possible and strengthen data integrity. Something that is important to me is sharing each research and experience. To the first location, I am accompanied by my son and sister. We travel into this lively forest that has been semi-influenced by humans. Studies tell us that Indians would travel into this area before it was settled. They would travel down off the mountains to hunt, fish, and gather supplies. Knowing where they set up is important. We also need to account for the average outdoor enthusiast who may have hiked into the area. Using overhead imagery technology and aging the trees, I'm able to identify the most probable location where the Indians set up camp. This helped confirm that the area was not largely impacted by human pollution. After setting up the system, I powered it on and immediately started to gather data. Sitting in absolute silence, we listened to the crickets. It is moments like this that really remind you how much urbanization can impact some of the most simple things that we take for granted. Day number five. Now, to choose an area largely impacted by human pollution. I narrowed down the decision into two locations, the first a large city, and the second being a large suburban community. To avoid unwanted back noise, I chose the community. For well over 20 years, this community has remained thriving. The average lifespan of a cricket is 90 days. This means that roughly 81 generations of crickets would have been raised in an area impacted by noise pollution. We know that crickets, just like every other living species, have adapted their DNA to survive. Have they adapted to live amongst noise pollution? I'll explain a very interesting case study regarding crickets adapting their DNA here in just a few minutes. Just like before, I power on the equipment and begin gathering data. I observe something different here. It is almost as though the crickets sound louder. It'll be interesting to see what the data tells us. Day number six. Past studies tell us something really interesting. Crickets that are born and raised in areas of noise pollution experience delays when they begin chirping. This means that their reproduction process is delayed. When we layer our field data on top of that, things really start to make sense. The crickets that have the highest exposure to noise pollution emit the loudest chirping song when attempting to attract a female. 
This would signify that noise pollution does negatively impact crickets. Reference the graphs that are available on the website. Again, the link to that is in today's show notes. An average cricket that is not subjected to noise pollution will begin chirping at around day 35. As you'll see in that graph, it's actually indicated by a green circle. The red circle shows how this is delayed by nearly 200% when a cricket is exposed to noise pollution. Set 01 in the graph is from a location that was minimally impacted by humans, and set 02 is with a large amount of noise pollution. In the second graph that you'll see on the website, diamonds represent crickets that are not exposed to noise pollution. Note how much earlier they begin to find a mating partner. X's indicate exposure to noise pollution, therefore producing delayed response. This data is vital to bring awareness around the importance of noise pollution when engaged in urbanization. Future studies are needed to understand how other living species, to include humans, are impacted. Now, this topic deserves its own research study as well, and it will eventually get one. I'm talking about light pollution. I was interested to see if there's anything even worth studying here. My question was, how much impact can one light bulb have on living species? What we know is that a 40-volt bulb can produce 450 lumens. Now, there are a number of external factors that can impact the distance one may be able to see a single light bulb at night. What our early studies have found is that on a relatively good night, the human eye can see a light bulb at a distance of around 60 miles. Now, that is just one light bulb. There has been a large number of studies in the past that have successfully showed us that light pollution can dramatically impact Earth's ecosystem. Many living species, for as long as we have relied upon the routine rhythm of that day and night cycle. Nocturnal species that live through the night and many use it as a way to uh, migrate. To give you an example here, think about a sea turtle and how artificial light can confuse newly born turtles. With a few changes, our ecosystem as we know it today could be completely altered. Light pollution undoubtedly has a big impact. Capturing, documenting, and sharing experiences like this are important. Now, to close this out, I want to go back to talk about that that very interesting case that we're experiencing and, and seeing happen right now in the field of evolution. So if there's ever a time that we want to study this, now is the time. There's actually a species of cricket located in Hawaii that is being targeted and killed in a very vicious manner. As I spoke on earlier in the podcast, male crickets will rub their wings together to produce a sound, much like a chirping song, and they do this as part of a mating or courtship process to find a female. Well, there just so happens that there's also a species of fly that will listen for that male cricket to make their chirps. They then will search and hunt down this male cricket, and the fly will lay its eggs on the cricket. Now, once these eggs turn into larvae, the larvae will actually eat the cricket from the inside out, a very slow and gruesome death. Now, where this gets interesting, I, I promise that there's a positive to all of this here in, in the sake of research and study, that is, anyways. This particular species of cricket has adapted or evolved 
its DNA to either no longer produce any type of sound when the male cricket rubs its legs together, or it's producing a completely different sound in general. So obviously you can see just how important this is to actually study. So that way we learn how DNA and adaptation takes place. Now, another interesting question that I have is, is it possible for our DNA to have the conscious uh, knowledge or insight that it has exhausted all options and have the ability to throw up a Hail Mary to prevent a living species from becoming extinct. This is hopefully something that all of this research, when we combine everything and look at the totality, can actually uh, give us some insight on. Uh, folks, I hope you really enjoyed listening to this research project and expedition. We had a great time partnering with some other researchers and scientists. It's all for the greater good. Uh, again, the link to our website where you can check out some graphs, visuals, as well as some other information on some upcoming trips and expeditions that we have found is in, is in today's show notes. Again, to all of our true listeners, thank you everybody for tuning in. I hope you have a good rest of the week and uh, day to come. Take care.